I have the honor and the privilege of announcing our speaker for the morning. Glory to God. She's fine. No, I'm just playing. That's so fleshly. This is in my flesh. <laughs> I'm in my flesh. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm excited. Pastor Demi, uh, our co-pastor, my wife, the mother of my children, uh, has an awesome word for you this morning. And she has been laboring and preparing and getting ready uh, to bless us all uh, with a mighty word from God. And I'm excited. Uh, I think it, I'm excited about what she's about to release because every time she grabs the mic and every time she releases word, it is always timely and life-changing. I thank you that God uses her in a prophetic way, um, in a mothering way, and, uh, and, and sometimes in a preach way. So stay ready on the keys because at any given moment she might start hooping and you <laughs> and you better be ready uh, for it. Uh, she's an awesome woman of God. She loves the people of God of the city especially here. Um, she labors and, and works to make sure that ministry goes forward. Um, she's the reason the church is still here because I'm volatile <laughs> and I was <laughs> a few days <laughs> y'all was going to show up and it said <laughs> The city is no longer, but she she knows how to she knows how to wife me real good. God gave me the right woman, uh, and He gave you the right co-pastor. And so, without further ado, I'm gonna get out your way. Come on, Pastor Demi's coming with an awesome word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, that's a good place to praise God. 
Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Father God, we honor you right now. We thank you, God, for this day that you have prayed before us, oh God. We thank you for this day that we have never seen, Lord God. We thank you for the word that you are delivering into this house, oh God. Life-changing, God. Oh God, but it'll have impact. Oh God, give us ears to hear. Give us a mind to receive from you, oh God. This word that you have given us. This house that you have given us. This day that you have given us. Oh God, we're grateful. Oh God, our minds are grateful. We're grateful for everything you've done. Everything he's done in the past. Everything he's yet doing today. And everything he's promised us in the future. God, we're grateful. Hallelujah. Is gratefulness. Hallelujah. 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 First giving honor to God. Oh, I'm Kojic at heart. <laughs> to my pastor. <laughs> for giving me the honor and the privilege to stand before you this morning. Hallelujah. But I do stand grateful on today. I stand here victorious. Hallelujah. I don't know if y'all know my testimony, but I have had to deal with fear for years, year after year after year. And God, I knew that he had called me to preach the gospel, but I always did it kicking and screaming. And then I said, okay, well, God, if I just do a little bit, I'll, you know, send words of encouragement or I'll mentor your people. And, God, I can preach one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I always tried to make this thing fit to where it was being obedient, but it was where I was comfortable. And I'll tell you, year after year, month after month, I kept praying, God, give me the courage. And different city members and city families would come to me and encourage me. You know you got a word in your belly, Pastor. You got to preach on Sunday. I was like, no, I'm preaching on Thursday. I'm not getting up on Sunday. It was something about Sunday. But I thank God because this time, when my husband asked me to preach on Sunday, he said, baby, I'm not going to be there, so I need you to speak. I said, okay. Before I could even doubt or kind of change what I really wanted to say, I told God yes. Oh, it can be so hard and so challenging. And then I felt like, well, God, I gave you like 10 yeses already, so you still want this one yes? But I stand here in victory, preaching and teaching the word of God on this Sunday morning. And it does my heart so well. I'm so excited about God's word and his message. If I got to kill every ounce of flesh in my body for God to get glory, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. However God chooses to use me, I stand in victory over fear on today. I want to encourage somebody's heart on today. No matter what you've got on the inside or what the enemy tries to speak in your ear, God said I've equipped you before you were born into your mother's womb and everything that God has given you to do, it's already birthed on the inside. All God needs is a yes. And I don't stand here alone. I stand here with God. I have the Holy Ghost on the inside that's working on the outside. And all I'm doing is proclaiming what thus saith the Lord. The book is already written. I didn't have to write it. It's already written. All I got to do is just express what God gave to me the way that he gave it to me. 
So with that, February is love month, y'all. <laughs> this is the last month of February, and we have not really taught about love this month, but we're going to end it. We're going to cap it off with what is love. So look, today's word comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 32. And y'all know, like Pastor said, the mother's coming out, so y'all know that I'm a, a woman that teaches that we should have notebooks, pens, and paper. Amen? Because the word will go in one ear, out the other, but unless you write it down and you can refer back to it as you go through your week, amen, you need to write it down. So those of you who don't have a notebook or pen or paper, if you need one, we have some over at the nurse's station. Amen? I'm going to give you a lot of references. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. So I want you to write them down and read them for yourself. Amen? Pastor's talking about me, y'all. That's okay. <laughs> so what we find in Luke chapter 15 is the synopsis of the uh, prodigal son. It's an old story that, you know, Jesus told that we've learned in Sunday school. You guys should remember this. Um, we, it's about two sons and their father. But the Lord gave me this story in a way that I had never approached this before. We know that um, there's an older son and a younger, and the younger son went to his father and said, hey, I want my inheritance. The father said, okay, he gave it to him. And then the story says that not too long after that, he went to a far off place. So he took all that he had and all that was entitled to him and went to a city that was a far away from his family. And there he proceeded to blow all of his inheritance, all that he had. Everything his father gave to him, he blew it away. He partied, he drank, he had women. That's what the word said. He blew it all. Little did he know that there was a famine approaching the land. So here he finds himself with nothing and in the midst of a famine. So he said, okay, I got to do something with my life. So he said, okay, I'm going to go work for one of these good citizens. So he went to a citizen and, and agreed to work and tend to the pigs. So it was his job to feed the pigs on each and every day in the midst of the famine. So then he's sitting there and he's working and he said, oh my God, I'm hungry. If I could just eat the food that the pigs were eating, I would be better than I am right now. But the citizen wouldn't even give him access to that. So now he has nothing. He's in the slop with the pigs, feeding them pigs and wanting to eat what they eat. Do you understand how low he had to be? But then the scripture says he came to himself. And I love that. I guess the preacher in me that I get excited about that. He came to himself. Because we don't always get the opportunity to come to the realization of where we are and to understand that there's a better place than where we're at. But the scripture says he came to himself. And he said, you know what? Even my, my father's servants eat three square meals a day. I need to go back home. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. And they said he figured out in his mind that what he would do is present it to his father. Father, okay, I'll be one of your servants. 
because he knew then that at least he would have three square meals a day. He might not be where he used to be, but at least he could be at the feet and get his basic needs. So he decided to go back and return to the source. So it says he was a long way off. As he's coming home, the father sees him a long way off. And he noticed that that was his son, um, of whom he thought was dead. He saw him a far way off, the father recognized. So you can't imagine that he saw his face. But he knew what his son looked like. Because when you birth a thing, you know what it looks like, amen? I don't know about you ladies, but when you get married and you see your husband coming afar off, oh, I know his shoulders. Oh, that's his bow legs. Oh, that's him. That's his size 13, sometimes 14. That's him. But it's, <laughs> it says the father ran out to his son, <laughs> greeted him, embraced him, and celebrated his son coming back. And he called for the servants. He said, bring him some clean clothes, because you got to imagine he was dirty, stinky, funky, all that. He had to be a mess. But the father cared nothing about it. He loved him as is. Anybody ever go to the as is department and found a jewel? You said, oh, I can dust this thing off and make it brand new. The father said, that's my prized possession. And embraced his son and said, go get him some clean clothes and the family ring. Now, I had to look up what the family ring meant. What is that? And they say back in the day, you knew who you belonged to by the family ring. It was encrusted with the family uh, symbol. And they would go to the stores, and they didn't have the monetary, you know, things like we do. They didn't have credit card readers. What they did was they would take an image in the clay of the family ring when they would go to make purchases. And that's who they knew the debt belonged to. So the father said, restore his ring. And go get the fatty calf because we're about to have a celebration. So the fatty calf was always reserved for those big time events. I think it would be what we call like Christmas or Thanksgiving. You know, everything that comes around, you know, we go get the best. You bring out the fine china. You go get the big ham and the big turkey. And you get gather the family around for a big celebration. So he called for the fatty calf. And as he was greeting his son, his son, who had prepared his speech, began to present it to his father. The father cut him off, didn't want to hear it. He said, my son, you're received. I don't care about that. So they went and had the party, and the father noticed that the older son was not present. So he went to go find the older brother. And he said, what, why are you not celebrating with us? And the older brother was sitting there angry. And he said, Father, I don't understand how you could receive him after he abandoned us. You're just going to welcome him back with loving arms, and, you know, he turned his back on us. How can you do that? But the father had to remind the older son. He said, this is your brother, of whom was once dead and now is alive. This is worthy of celebration. And he also had to remind him. He said, the brother lost access to the family, but now is restored. You who have always remained has remained consistently in access to the household and all of its benefits. Why would you be upset? You didn't have to endure what your brother endured. 
You sat here in the lap of luxury, and yet you're mad and angry? Oh, no. How many know some people will be mad at you because of your access to the Father? <laughs> Hallelujah. But this parable, and it, and it ends that way in the chapter of Luke. Um, but I would imagine the, the brother got himself together. But here's what the Lord revealed to me. He revealed several heart issues. And if y'all didn't notice, and if you don't know me, I'm, I like to make the word of God and the teachings of God real practical and real visual. So I like to do like demonstrations. That's why I got on my lab coat, because we about to have surgery, y'all, okay? So let's examine. We're going to look at some heart postures that were demonstrated in the book of, the, of Luke with this parable. We witnessed a selfish heart. We see that the son decided to take what he had or what was entitled to him and go off and do his own thing. He left his father and his brother to tend to the home. There had to be plenty of work to do because he was sustaining the work. He abandoned all that and said, I want to follow my heart. So that was a selfish heart. We witnessed a dead heart. They say when the son left the source, when he left his father, Y'all looking at the natural father. I'm going to give you a clue here. Throughout everything you hear this afternoon, I want you to hear it in the natural, but I want you to visualize it in the spiritual. So we witnessed the dead heart. It said when he left his father's land, he went to a far off place. So he removed himself afar off. He was disconnected from the father. He was disconnected to the source. He was disconnected, and therefore the father thought he was dead. Because if you're disconnected from a life source, what's keeping you alive? We also witnessed a resuscitated heart. When we saw the father celebrating his son's return, that which was once dead was brought back to life. So the heart had been restored. That which was dead was resuscitated back to life. We also witnessed a heart that captured the Father's attention. Do we have hearts that capture the Father's attention? They said that the Father recognized his son's heart. His son had to be in a state of shame, low self-worth, but yet yearning to return back to the source. And that got the father's attention. There had to be a moment of desperation as this son was approaching his father's land. And that desperation touched his father's heart and got his father's attention to where he dropped everything and said, oh, I got to see about my son. First Samuel 16 and 7 said that God sees, not as man sees. For man looks at the outer appearance. We've heard this scripture but the Lord looks at the heart. Are you capturing your father's heart? Desperation, when you're in a situation that you're desperate, don't stay down. You can go back to the source, hallelujah, and get your father's attention. We also notice a forgiving heart. The, the father could have rejected his son and could have been like the older brother that said, nah, you left us, now nah, we good. But the father said, no, oh God, I love my son. I restore him back fully. We didn't see any conditions placed upon it. Our father doesn't place conditions on us when we come back, when we do wrong, where we run and do our own thing and disconnect because we leave the father, he never leaves us. Amen? 
hallelujah, but a forgiving heart. And finally, it ends with an unforgiving heart. Everything ain't peaches and cream in the Bible. We witness real-life situations that we struggle with on today to where people do things that offend us, amen? We find ourselves in offense. People hurt us deliberately or undeliberately. But we see that there's a brother that got angry about it. But instead of being angry, I want to challenge you something with this word. We need to be empathetic. Don't look at the actions on the outer appearance. Don't look at the outer appearance. We're called to be like God. We look at the inside. So if a person's actions have offended us, I'm going to show you that offense is a matter of the heart. Bad actions are a matter of the heart. And instead of being mad at your sister or brother for the actions that they have done, you need to be just a little bit more empathetic because there's an obvious condition of the heart. Amen? Now, we're going to tie some things together. When I say love, in the natural, if I say show me love, what y'all going to show me? Show me love. What y'all going to do? What, what is a symbol of love? A heart. Eh, come on, come on, class. Come on, class. I heart you. Come on, where my young folks at? <laughs> love is symbolized by the heart, both in the natural and the spiritual. The theme, the overarching theme of the Bible is all about love. That's what everything is about. Natural or spiritual, the condition of your heart determines the direction of your future. That's a key note right there. Write that down. The condition of your heart determines the direction of your life. What does that mean? You can't hide the condition of your heart. You can dress it up, and this is where my girl's at. Y'all see my lovely gems? My gems know who they are. Amen. We got this one. She dressed all cute, looking real good on the outside. Amen. So she's, what is her heart? Her heart is healthy. Where's my little stepper stuff? Thank you, Jasmine. Her heart is healthy. Then we have our little gym over here. She dressed up too. But I noticed that her necklace is a little off, just slightly. But more importantly than that, let's check our heart. Homegirl's heart is unhealthy. There's a problem on the inside. You wouldn't know it. Now, I got descriptions on there, but that's just a visual for y'all. And on social cam, y'all can't see it. But on the outside, she's looking real dressed up and real fine. Necklace, just a little crooked. But her heart is unhealthy. We can't hide what's going on on the inside because inevitably it's going to show. Amen? Just like my husband tells me, I love garlic, y'all. Ooh, I love garlic food, Mexican, Italian, Indian. Was that you, DJ? <laughs> I love anything that has onions and garlic, but my husband, I can have it for <laughs> I can have it for lunch, and I'll come home and give my husband a kiss, and he'll be like, "What did you eat? You had garlic, didn't you?" And I try to hide it, like put a little mint in or a little gum before I get home. But inevitably, what you've ingested on the inside is going to be implicated. Come on, on the outside. So we're going to look at the attributes of a heart. We're going to break this thing down, y'all. We're going to look at the natural nature of it. So the heart is a life source. It's an organ that's responsible, re responsible for distributing blood 
throughout the body. That's another thing I want y'all to look at in the spiritual. The heart is responsible for distributing the blood. I'm going to call it the blood so y'all can get it. Throughout the body. Amen? The heart gives off signs of its conditions. It can be healthy, like my gym over here. We can have a healthy heart, which we determine by the heart rate, blood pressure, high energy levels, good cholesterol, quick recovery rate, good oral health, and healthy breathing. Those are all attributes of a good, healthy heart. But then homegirl over here, who has an unhealthy heart, how do we determine an unhealthy heart? So you got Dr. D in the house. I'm going to get these words right for y'all. Coronary artery disease, which is the block, blockage. She's got blockage in her arteries. Congestive heart defect. She was born like that, born with a heart issue. Arrhythmia. Did I get that? Arrhythmia. An irregular heartbeat. The heart functions, but the beat is off. It's just something off about it. Myocardial infarction. Did I say that right? Infraction. Oh, I spelled it wrong. That's all right. God give me an A for it. That's what we know as a heart attack. That's an irregular eruption of blood flow to the heart. Congestive heart failure. Conditions affecting the proper pumping of the heart. The heart still works. It's just working improperly. Her heart is enlarged or even worse is dead. She's unhealthy, y'all. I want to give you just a little bit of statistics because I want to put this into perspective. Statistics say that over 30 million Americans suffer from heart disease or an unhealthy heart. Every year, over 650,000 death, deaths are responsible or a result of heart disease. That means that every one in four people that have died, died because of a heart condition. So we're going to put that here in the context of the word of God. Look around. Look around your house. Look around this sanctuary. Look around the job. Look around your family. Every one in four of y'all got a problem with your heart. That's what statistics say. Now, this is in the natural. Let's do a heart check. Put your hand on your heart. How, how healthy is your heart? What's the condition of your heart? Is it beating irregularly? Is the blood properly functioning? Is it enlarged? I don't think it's dead because I can see each and every one of y'all. We ain't calling them paramedics. An unhealthy heart, y'all can put your hands down. An unhealthy heart, it's imperative that we live healthy for the kingdom, amen? An unhealthy heart renders us ineffectively, and we, it, it hinders our ability to do kingdom work and what God has called us to do. We got to be healthy, y'all, from the inside out. We got to be healthy in the natural and in the spiritual. And more importantly than that, God has designed our hearts and he wants us to function them as the kingdom of God would have it to function so I called it a kingdom heart a kingdom heart is one that embodies completely the love of God here on earth 
there's attributes for a kingdom heart too. It looks, it feels, and it functions differently. Just as the natural heart, a kingdom heart looks, feels, and functions differently. So we're going back to my girl over here. We're going to look at her kingdom heart. And there's certain attributes of a kingdom heart. And I want you to hear these attributes and see where you fit in or not. A kingdom heart is patient, kind, does not envy, does not boast, isn't rude, isn't self-seeking, isn't easily angered, keeps no record of wrong, doesn't delight in evil, rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and it never fails. I know you're going to find that some of these aren't on your list. Stop lying. Because they're not on mine either. Amen. This word came to convict. But we're going to bring some things to life. Amen. Because we all going to be healthy. Healthy for the kingdom. So my sister over here, poor Miss Girl, with her unhealthy heart, both in the natural and kingdom, she's angry. Come on, y'all. Now, now here we're going to do. I want y'all to listen to these. These are signs and symptoms of an unhealthy kingdom heart. Angry, full of wrath, rebellious, disobedient, overly emotional, depressed, fearful, perverted, envious, jealous, manipulative, lying, deceitful, cursing, full of profanity, unforgiving, revengeful, malicious, broken, weak, diseased, sickly, and hardened. I know y'all got a few of them on that list. Amen. I know some of y'all can relate. Some of us, amen, if we be honest, can relate to a few of those. Those are symptoms of an unhealthy heart. So let's do another health check. If you find that one or more of these unhealthy heart habits belong to you, <laughs> it's time to see the physician. Amen. Y'all know when you get sick, some symptoms are bearable. But when it becomes intolerable, you say, okay, that's enough. These over-the-counter medications aren't doing it. I need something stronger. It's time to go see the doctor. And when you go to the doctor, what's the first thing they say? Y'all done been to some doctors. What's the first thing the doctor say when you show up? He sits down with you and says, are you having any? I'm sorry. Are you having any? What kind of class are y'all? Are you having any symptoms? Oh, I can't hear you. You, you know, you got to speak up. Amen. That's the first thing the doctor is going to ask. Are you having any symptoms? Unhealthy behaviors have symptoms. These symptoms are indication of an underlying condition. Can't treat just the symptoms. You cannot. They're coated in camouflage, but guess what? That underlying condition is still there. And guess what? The symptoms will come back. You can mask them if you want to. You can mask some of these illnesses and some of these sicknesses and some of this brokenness. You can mask it with a good praise and worship. You can mask it with a good shout and a good run around the building on Sunday morning, but guess what? Boom, Monday. Is coming right back. Because guess what? You haven't addressed the underlying condition. So I'm going to break it down. 
And some of my mentors in here, some of my children, y'all know this is one of my biggest examples, because the older I get, the more time I spend in church, I'm finding that this one issue seems to be prevalent among the Christians. We're going to deal with cussing. Y'all already know it. Y'all already know. My sons and daughters in the house know how I feel about this cussing. Cursing and lying. A cursing tongue and a lying tongue. Guess what? They are symptoms. They're issues. They're symptoms of an underlying health condition. They're symptoms of an underlying heart condition. You can try to not cuss here, <laughs> but let me see what you do on Tuesday when that joker then got on your nerves. Let me see your first response when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Because guess what? What's in you is going to come out. Cursing is a symptom because curse is in your heart. And I don't think a lot of people break that thing down enough. They tell you you need to be delivered from cursing. But uh, if you were like me, I, I used to cut. Look, it's a difference between cursing and cussing. I used to cuss so bad that when I was out in the world, my mother would be like, you need to come to church. I was like, oh, I ain't coming there. I might cuss. And I might cuss somebody out. Oh, no, I ain't coming to church. And I didn't know how to deal with that thing, so what I began to do was put other words in its place. That was my elementary treatment over the counter for dealing with cursing. I was like, okay, instead of saying this word, I'll say that word. So that was good introduction. But it wasn't until I earnestly wanted cursing out of me. I didn't realize it dwelt in my heart. I just knew I had to get it out of me because I could not be an effective Christian. I could not let it damage my witness. If I was going around telling people I was a Christian, the last thing I wanted them to do was hear me talk the way they talk. There's a difference. A Christian is set apart. They're the called out ones. So I said, God, I need you to take this thing away from me. I don't know how to deal with it. Little did I know there was cursing, there was anger, there was all that that was in the heart that caused cursing to come out of the mouth. So when I lay before the altar and before God, that, that's what they say about lay, cast your cares upon the altar. That's what they mean. Give God your condition. Give him your heart. If you truly want it out of you, he'll truly take it away from you. Amen? What is hidden in the heart is open to the eyes of God. That's another nugget for y'all. Write that thing down. Trust me, there's going to come a day when you can pull back on that. What is hidden in the heart is open to God's eyes. What does that mean? That means you can dress it up and make it look real pretty. But God could care less about how you dressed it up. God doesn't care about your Gucci watch. He doesn't care about your Louis Vuittons. I don't even know if I said that right. He doesn't care about your diamonds, your riches in your pockets. He doesn't care what's in your bank account. God said, I'm concerned about what's on the inside. Amen? God sees and he knows all. Guess what's time? It's time for another health check. What's the condition of your heart? 
What's your checkup looking like? We looked at the natural. I'm more concerned about the spiritual. What does your kingdom heart look like? If you be honest with yourself, how many of these symptoms can you say you're dealing and struggling with on today? Guess what? If you can identify with these symptoms, it's time to go see a specialist. You saw the doctor. Yeah, we came in with the lab coats and we ran a few tests and we see something. Ain't that what they try with you? We see something. Okay, I respect you for that. What you done seen? Because I, I can't stand it, y'all. I done been to, to more than enough doctors. They always seeing stuff. So, <laughs> like we come to the altar, and that convicting word identifies a symptom. Why you got to point all that out? Like I just pointed out for y'all? Oh, we know we see it. Those are symptoms that we've identified. But now it's time to go a little bit deeper, and we need to go see a specialist. So when you go see, these are heart issues, right? When you go see a heart specialist, they put you through what's called a stress test. I don't know about you, but I've had a couple of those too because I've had the indoor surgery. And they were concerned about my heart. Oh, they saw something on the EKG. So now I had to go see a specialist. The stress test puts you on a treadmill. And what it does, I'm a, I'm a little bit out of breath already, but I'm going to do this. So you're on your little stress test. And, okay, that's enough of me. It reveals, the <laughs> it reveals the condition or the shape that your heart is in. What it does is it puts your heart under pressure to see how it'll respond. It increases your activity level and causes the heart to pump more blood because they want to see how it's going to function. Now, that's in the natural. But some of y'all going through some tests now, <laughs> some stressful tests, that the specialist has agreed to coordinate on your behalf so that you and everyone else can see how your heart is going to function. He wants to prompt your heart to get it to push more blood, the blood. Remember I told you I'm going to call it the blood. Because in stressful conditions, is where you need to rely on the blood. Problem is, y'all folding. Just like I couldn't run, I couldn't run too much right there. Because I don't want to be winded, you know. I'm a little, little damp up here. Y'all couldn't run. I couldn't run right there. Y'all folding under pressure. What's your kingdom heart itself? Can't take a little bit of issue. Can't take a little bit. Am I, am I I'm looking moist? A little glossy? I'm sorry. I don't want to have them things out there. People have them things. You're folding under pressure. Every little thing gets under your skin. You're failing the stress test. Instead of turning to God, your source, and asking for the blood to cover, you're trying to endure and sustain with your unhealthy heart, guess what? You're going to pass out and die. Now, with the stress test, you can pass or fail, depending on how your body is processing the blood. If you fail a stress test, 
Now, I looked this up on thehealthcheckup.com. It said if you fail a stress test, there's a strong possibility that you have a serious underlying health condition, heart condition. I'm sorry, a heart condition. That's what the checkup.com says. What do you think the word of God is saying? Because we're comparing this thing from the natural to the spiritual. If you're failing the health test week after week, month after month, you jelly back Christian and you can't take nothing, you failing your stress test. There's a heart condition. That's it. I've come to diagnose you right now with the word of God. We're going to check on the heart. Ezekiel 36 and 26. God says we don't have to stay there. God said that he will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. He says, I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. He compares stones to flesh. Stones. We're going to deal with that thing. Because some, some, some of us need some heart transplant. Amen? Now, this stress test has revealed that the heart is displaying some unhealthy symptoms. Yeah, we, we acknowledge that. We, we're not going to fake it no more. Because eventually the heart is going to give out if we don't do something. Amen? Eventually these symptoms are going to get so bad that they're going to cause calluses and buildup on our heart. Stony hearts. And then, then God will turn a reprobate mind and we won't be able to recover. Over time and left untreated, these symptoms or habits will cause the calluses to form over your heart. And when calluses form, y'all know what calluses are, them, them hard things on the bottom of our feet? We got them, amen. Those are calluses. I mean, Lee, she comes and, and, and gets that thing real good. Uh-huh, that's what that is. That's what that is. Those calluses cause the heart. Min Lee, is she going to get offended? I don't know Min Lee. That's not her name. Y'all know I'm just playing. <laughs> we talking about the callus heart. Y'all trying to get distracted. We talking about the calluses on the heart, the hardened heart. What is a hardened heart? A hardened heart is defined as a obstinate, stubborn, refusing to change, and callous heart that dulls a person's ability to understand the truth. It can cause people to resist and disobey God. And continual disobedience and unbelief causes the heart to harden. And eventually, it'll prohibit your ability to respond to the voice of God. I come to tell you the truth. These lab coats, this the truth. They come to tell you the truth. You can sit in your chair in denial, but when you come to the doctor's office, we come to do tests and scans and get to the root of the matter. And we're going to tell you how that body that you're operating in is functioning, be it healthy or be it unhealthy. Now, guess what? We don't make you do anything. We examine you. We give you the diagnosis. And guess what? It's up to you to decide how to handle it from the time you leave the doctor's office. Amen? Amen. And guess what? After that heart hardens and hardens so often, it'll stop working. And when the heart stops working, what happens? 
Okay. I'm going to give y'all this. Y'all getting bored? Y'all good? Y'all receiving this thing? Y'all got any symptoms? If you be honest, because I, <laughs> I saw myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me give you this testimony. Those of you who know me um, know that my father had a heart and a kidney transplant last year. Heart and kidney transplant last year. His heart had stopped functioning properly because of how, um, well, several things. Um, I'll also say this. We plead the blood now. But growing up, I had always known that every single man in my family had died of a heart disease, heart attack. They all died of a heart attack. It wasn't until my cousins came up a little bit older than me, that they died of cancer. So I saw health, heart issues, and cancer in my bloodline. But we plead the blood, right? That's past, no longer present. It shall not come nigh my dwelling. Amen? And my father, you know, he, my father likes to party, loved to have a good time. He did his thing. My father, I said, Daddy, you going to kill yourself? He was like, well, I'm going to go out with a smile. I was like, Okay. <laughs> That was his thing. Nevertheless, the heart began to shut down, so much so that they said, look, you got like 7% usage of your heart. We've got to get it out. So he went through a transplant. Successful, glory be to God. God gave him a new, a new heart and a new kidney from the same donor. My father was only on the transplant list for not even two months miracles, signs, and that came around the same time that the prophetic word was released in this house, that miracle signs and wonders will, we will see in this place, and y'all, so that's why a lot of times y'all see me going crazy, like, I, I go through a lot, I see a lot, and I see God a lot, and it's just crazy to me, and he's so awesome and amazing, and that's why I lose my mind, because God, you're amazing, you're awesome, I see him, I've seen him do it, there's not, when we say that there's nothing too hard for God, I've seen too much and experienced too much not to serve God in his greatness. But successful surgery. I had, right after pastor told me that I had to speak, I had a conversation with my father. My father ain't never talked about God. My mother was saved. My father, bless his heart. Bless his heart, literally. But my father began to preach, and he was telling me that um, they have him on anti-rejection medicine. He has to take it for the rest of his life. And here's how I correlated it. As he began to speak, I began to, God began to show me, and I just bust out laughing. I didn't even tell my father why I was laughing. But the old sinful body, when God comes in to transplant our hearts, because some of our symptoms are so severe that he can't work with the heart as is. He's got to take the old thing, the whole thing out and put a new one in. But you're going to have to be on anti-rejection medication for the rest of your life. What does that mean? That means that 
this old body is going to want to reject the new heart that God put in it. So every day you're going to have to make sure you check it and put it into submission so that the body doesn't reject what God has blessed it with. Woo. He said he has to endure continuous checkups. They got to go through and do biopsies on the new heart to make sure that it's functioning properly. He said that his body had to submit to the new heart. Let me show you what God showed me about transplant. When my father received the transplant, we're celebrating on this end because there's life being restored. But the only way life came was through death. When there's a transplant that comes forth, <laughs> there was death on the cross that took place <laughs> that entitled you, hey, to have a heart restored, renewed, and regenerated. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross, <laughs> when he died and his blood was shed, they crucified him. He suffered, bled, and died on your behalf so that you might have the right to eternal life. The transplant had to take place, but there was a death that needed to happen. Are y'all willing to die? Are you willing to die? Let some things die so that some other things can live in your life. Here's the thing that got me. My father, I t we were talking about him going out. He was like, oh, no, nah, I don't go nowhere. I can't go nowhere. I said, why you can't go nowhere? He said, I have to be mindful of where I go and who I'm around with this new heart. That's for y'all. That's for y'all in the back, Jordans. <laughs> catch that, catch that. He said he can't take his new heart around any kind of environment. Now, my father ain't a preacher, or he wasn't. I don't know what God's going to do with this new heart. But he said he has to protect the heart. He's got to guard the heart that God blessed him with. So the old environments that he used to be in, he said, I'm not going there no more. i got to protect this heart. He said, I can't be around sick people. Come on, y'all. He said, with this new heart, I got to protect it at all costs. If somebody's sick in the building, he said, I'm getting out of there. I challenge you on today that when God begins this transplant on today, because we all entitled to new hearts on today, we all done made it to the top of the transplant list. After today, I dare you and challenge you to be careful of what environment you take this new heart around. Them old places you used to go, those parties and picnics and gatherings and such and such cannot take the new heart to those old locations. Hallelujah. Anybody want to be renewed? Contaminated atmospheres. Contaminated atmospheres. I began, I, I, I tell you, think about those contaminated atmospheres. Sometimes it's not always a place. It can be a person. It can be a conversation. Those old things that you know you ain't got no business being in. Those conversations you ain't got no business having. And I said ain't for a reason. You know better. Proverbs 4 and 23, write that down. It says keep your heart 
which means guarded with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Springs flowing the issues of life. The source of your life flows from your heart. The source of your life flows from your heart. You got to guard it every day that you have it. I come, I'm almost closing. Real lasting change has to happen in the heart. If you want to be changed, it has to happen from the heart. You cannot coat and medicate the symptoms. You cannot. You cannot self-medicate your bad habits. You cannot. Don't get distracted, y'all. Oh, my family, y'all cannot medicate bad habits. God wants you renewed. For all of you that want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you got to be cleaned on the inside. Amen. We don't put old wine in new wine vessels. You got to prepare a place that's holy and purified for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He wants to come and dwell on the inside, but he ain't coming to no dirty. Y'all know y'all don't want to go to nobody's dirty house and ingest no food. I'm so sorry. You don't want to do it. it I, look, for me, I can't even cook unless the kitchen is clean. My family thinks I'm crazy. There's crumbs over here. Pick that thing up. I notice every little, there's something here on the floor I can't cook. They think I'm upset. I can't cook in an unclean place. I'm not ingesting anything around something that's unclean into my clean body. That's how we need to guard our heart. You need to be conscious of where you're taking your pure, sanctified, and holy heart. It has no business around unclean things. You can be a little snooty with your new heart. Guess why? Because like my father, it costs over a million dollars for that surgery. Now, your surgery is free. But the only requirement is that you keep his commandments. But God said you have the right. He did all the work. He did all the heavy lifting. All God requires for your surgery is a yes. But you got to take that thing and guard it. So guess what? There's some old friends I had to cut off. I don't mean no harm against you. I still love you. But guess what? You and I don't agree because your new heart can't come, my new heart can't come around your sick body. Now, if you get cleaned up, that's another story. But I protect this thing that God gave me. So I'm going to give you seven steps to reversing the effects of an unhealthy heart and obtain divine healing. So y'all know I came with my lab coat, right? Guess what I'm pulling out? I got a prescription. Got a prescription for y'all. This is what we gonna do. You told me you had some symptoms, right? We evaluated the symptoms. We put you through the stress test. You've been failing the stress test, but I'm not gonna give up on you. I'm gonna work with you. I'm going to work with you on today, all right? We're going to get you through this thing because guess what? We want you to be healthy. Here at the city, we're establishing strong people, strong family, strong faith. That means strong strength 
is healthiness, right? You don't associate strength with the weakness, sickness, and disease. No, we got to be strong from the inside out. Amen? So here's your prescription. I guarantee you that if you follow these seven things, you're going to be made whole. I put patient name is you, address is home. And these prescriptions come out of the doctor's manual of Proverbs chapter 4. Mm -hmm. I didn't make a book. Oh, it's in the book. Like I told you before, this ain't demiology, it's Bibleology. Amen? I made that up. Number one, retain God's word and follow his commandments. That's your first exercise. That's what you're going to do. That'll address three out of five of your symptoms. Retain God's word and follow his commandments. Then once you do that, I need you to take two dosages of that. Then I need you to take a dose of getting wisdom and develop good judgment. Take one good hearty dose of that. Then I want you to go to CVS. They got these three prescriptions waiting for you. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. Avoid perverse speech. Stay away from corrupt communication. It's in the book. You want number two again? Okay, number two, get wisdom and develop good judgments. Number three, Keep vigilant watch or guard. That's what that means, your heart. This is this new, y'all got to take these prescriptions for the rest of your life, amen? These are the prescriptions for your new heart transplant. Number five, y'all got four? Four. Oh, y'all need four. Avoid perverse speech. Stop cussing. That's in the book. I ain't make this up. Stay away from corrupt speech. That's number four. Number five, keep your eyes straight ahead. Look at what's ahead of you. Don't look back. Stop worrying about the past. We look to the hills from which cometh our help. And our help comes from the Lord. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Stay focused. Number six, mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. What does that mean? Mark out a path for your feet. That means don't go everywhere. Watch where you go. Watch where you're going. Guess what? We, we do that when we're walking we don't run over top of people. If there's something, an obstruction in the way, you take the safe place. So you go the safe route. That's what that means. Go the safe route. And number seven, we all got that? Number seven, don't follow evil. Don't follow evil. Don't get sidetracked. Stay on the course. This is the recipe. The recipe, I'm the recipe, I'm stuck in our gym's event. The, the recipe for success, I think is what I was referring to. 
this is your prescription for life, for sustaining your new heart. Now, y'all know I like to laugh and joke, but this is a serious matter. It's time that we examine ourselves. And if you found yourself in anything that was said today, guess what? You still have hope. You may have symptoms, but my God is a healer. He's waiting for you. You don't have to be sick any longer. God said, I've come to renew you. Renew your healthy, your, renew and give you a healthy heart. And the best day to seek it is today. The best day to make a change in your life is today. A lot of us get so stuck on tomorrow. Oh, I have tomorrow. Oh, I know these are my issues, but guess what? I'll deal with it tomorrow. I, there's some things I just don't want to give up because guess what? Sin feels good, but it's a camouflage. It's deceptive, just like the word tomorrow is deceptive. It's one of the most deceptive words in the English dictionary because tomorrow is never promised. One thing that COVID has taught us, if it hasn't taught us anything else, is you never know when your time is up. This pandemic that we're in is taking out the healthy and the unhealthy. Nobody's safe. At first, they tried to come to us and tell us if you had underlying health conditions that you were subject to death. But guess what? The more we watch the news and the more time that progressed, the sickness was taking out healthy, young, vibrant individuals. That's proof to you standing here under the sound of my voice that tomorrow is never promised. The songwriter said, who promised you tomorrow? When God comes to deliver a word, don't dismiss it so easily. Because guess what? We all have to stand before God in judgment. And if you woke up tomorrow, not in your bed, but before the most high God, and he says, why didn't you heed to my warnings? And you said, God, I heard you, but I thought I would deal with it tomorrow. And God says, get away from me. I don't know you. Hell is a real place for real people. You don't see preachers talk about it much anymore. But at the city, we're going to give you the unadoctorated gospel. Heaven is a real place. It's a prepared place for prepared people, but so is hell. This is a convicting word. It convicted me. Trust and believe. I'm not sitting up here giving you and pointing fingers. No, I'm pointing fingers at myself. There's some things that I've been dealing with. There's some attitudes I've been having. There's some symptoms that my body has been displaying. That there are some things in my heart that are unpleasing to God. But I thank God because as long as I have breath, I have an opportunity to get it right. 
And God says your opportunity is today.